Hello, and welcome to the Trauma and Mental Health Reports podcast series. We aim to share stories and knowledge on topics related to trauma and mental health with the community. My name is Promise, and I'm here with our guest for today's episode, the lovely Alexandra. So Alexandra is a music therapist who has led music therapy groups in women's jail, as well as somebody who composes music. And today she's going to be talking to us just a little bit about her experience as a music therapist, as well as some of the ways in which this has influenced her own creativity and her own music on the side. So without further ado, hi, Alexandra. Hi. Good to see you. (laughs) Thanks so much for being here with us today. Um, Just to start a little bit, do you want to tell us a little about your background, just like a quick 30-second intro? Absolutely. I studied music in college. All right. And it's not a very reliable income source. So as far as like... A day-to-day job. I have a master's in social work and in my master's program we did a practicum our final year and I was placed at a county jail. I'm in the United States. All right. I was terrified. I'd only seen jail in the movies (laughs) and it was totally different than I'd expected. I ended up staying for 10 years. They offered me a job and during that I also continued composing music and I also brought my music interests into the therapy program Mm -hmm. and I ran the music therapy groups for about four years while I was there. All right. Well, that is quite the story. I mean, it's great that you have the opportunity to marry like two things you were really interested in. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Like that. (laughs) That's really fortunate. All right. So just for the crowd, um, can you tell us a little more about exactly what music therapy is? Because some people have like different opinions sure. of what it might look like. Well, there's two forms of music therapy. Uh, right. One is called active music therapy. You need a degree and a very specialized certification. That's when there are physical instruments involved. So there's also motor skills and team building, and it's very specific. All right. What I do is called receptive music therapy. So I am a licensed therapist. And what I do is I select music, I play it for a group, and then we process that music together as a group. Right. (laughs) All right. So when you say like process, what does that, so do you guys just kind of like discuss it together or? It, It was really interesting because my supervisor knew I had a music background and wanted me to start a music therapy group. So I, I'm very research-based, so I went on, like, PubMed and Google Scholar, and so I looked up, you know, different approaches to music therapy. I see. And it was very different groups. There were two different groups. There was a male mental health unit and a female mental health unit. And this is people who basically were arrested and incarcerated because of their illness, but they were not violent otherwise. Oh, I see. So they kind of end up in, would it be more psychiatric prison you were working with them? Yes, exactly. Uh, so it was more of almost a hospital wing. It's, right. It's really similar to. Um, the men's group had some pretty low-functioning patients. I call them patients. They were inmates, but I call them patients. And a lot of them had schizophrenia or some other form of psychosis. Mm-hmm. And we're, they're low-functioning in that it was pretty exciting when they took medicine and when they came out of their cell, when they took a shower 
we're still really working with them on meeting their just daily activity I see. kind of thing. And so what the focus was, we were going to take some really basic emotions, some music that evoke different emotions and talk about what emotion that brought up for them and then ways to cope with that emotion, both in jail and in the community. Okay, so that sounds like you kind of, so you play a song and then they kind of just listen to it and you'll be like, okay, so what does this make you feel? Mm -hmm. And then see how it goes from there. Um, how did you find they responded to it? Really well. I think it was something totally different. Like there weren't many arts programs within the jail. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of them had a music background. Several of them played instruments. Oh. One man knew a lot about Beethoven and classical music. And it was, it worked great. It was a really exciting group. So like an example, one of my favorite pieces of music is in the movie E.T. There's the bicycle chase. <laughs> yeah. And it's just this phenomenal music score. And so it really brought, some, some of it was memories of watching with their family, which is neat. So you kind of got to learn about their family and kind of their functioning before they had their psychiatric break. That wasn't the purpose of me playing it, but it was kind of an interesting um, result. Yeah, it's really interesting how like something as simple as a song can just bring up memories you don't even remember existed, right? <laughs> yeah, and the, this music is really exciting and playful, and it, it was really fun to kind of get to talk about that emotion. So I'd say, what's something that gets you excited outside of jail, or what makes you happy? You know, what makes you feel, you know, enthralled and you right. know, just excited again. And it, it was great. We had, it was a great group. Right. So did you have, were you working more with like, I don't want to say like short term, but more, I understand with psychiatric prison, it's a little different. But was it more with people who were there for like a couple months, a couple years? Or did you have more of people who were there for like really long periods of time? It was range from maybe four months to maybe two years. I see. So I'm not sure how the mental health system in, in Canada works, but unfortunately there aren't many institutions left in the United States. Mm -hmm. So there's essentially two mental health units in most jails. Oh. So one is a crisis unit. So it's a much more like a hospital mm -hmm. inside. So that's for people who have very minor charges their family can come get them so they're there maybe like 72 hours but people who have more serious charges you know will be there you know maybe like three months but sometimes it could be as long as two years i see all right um so do you have any i guess kind of success stories or a story from your time there that really like encouraged you and made you feel like wow i've really made a difference in these people's lives? Yeah, there, there, there's a few. Um, one was a young man who had psychosis. And so in, right. when he described it, it, they were voices he heard. And he described them as more irritating. Like sometimes they're kind of friendly or threatening. For them, he described them as just a very irritating symptom. Mm -hmm. And listening to music is something that can help treat auditory hallucinations. And he was really excited when I did play some classical music. 
his eyes lit up and he was like, the voices got softer. I can't believe it. And he was so, so excited. So we talked about, you know, coping with hallucinations when he gets outside of jail. And mm-hmm. that, that, that was really exciting. That was like a direct. So did you ever get to like, I, okay, I, I highly doubt, but was there any point that you got to maybe get in touch with him on the outside and found whether he still was able to cope with it or? No, I did run into a state psychologist who had been in the unit after I left. And she did say that several of the um, patients asked about me and said they really enjoyed the music group. So oh. that, that's all the, the feedback I got. <laughs> It still counts for something, though, if you can see oh, yeah. yourself that people are having, um, yeah, different, like, reactions out of it. Um, so you spoke a little bit about kind of doing your background research into how music therapy kind of works. Um, despite the fact that there is, like, and I know it, too, because I'm actually quite interested in music therapy myself, there's a bunch of research out there. Mm-hmm. That suggests yeah, that is. it's like really promising, right? And that it has so many effects. So, um, in your time practicing as a music therapist, there, how did you deal with a lot of maybe stigma or labels towards your job, both from, I guess, your lay person, but also from maybe other people who were practicing in more like typically like established fields of psychology? Yes. Yeah. Uh, I think people who are in a socioeconomic place, at least in the United States, that they have that protection against being incarcerated. So maybe mm-hmm. as a teenager, if they acted out or their son acted out, you know, they referred to therapy instead of the criminal justice system. Right. And I think people also, including me before I interned there, their only exposure was, you know, very dramatic, dark prison movies, um, you know, jail where everyone's in straight jackets or... Yeah, especially when you try and marry, like, crime and um, mental health issues. That's, like, two big taboos that are already misconstrued. So absolutely, them together must have just been... All right, so how did you find that it differed from your expectations? I think I realized how fortunate I was and how similar my background was and my friends' backgrounds were to the people I met Mm -hmm. and how a lot of times, you know, our socioeconomic status or the color of our skin or even just one or two teachers or parents who helped us get on the right track as a teenager was such a protective factor. And how really it could have easily been anyone in in the jail system. Right, yeah, because we do have this, um, like in mental health, there is this whole thing that sometimes people assume that you're born that way. And I feel like Mm -hmm. the same is assumed with um, incarcerated people too. Right, right. Something I tried to do is that the format in the male unit worked fantastically. I mean, it was just a really great group. In the women's unit, it did not go well. It was, it seemed they talked about emotion almost every day. And there was 
I think some emotional regularity issues there. Um, so there's a lot of like conflict, but not the conflict management piece. And I played a song by Katy Perry mm -hmm. and there's this really short line. And one of the women said, Oh, that reminds me about when my ex-boyfriend raped me. And oh, wow. she started talking about it and she was physically acting it out. And some of the lower functioning women thought she was dancing. And so they did not really connect how serious, you know, what was going on. And she really may have dissociated at that point. And I talked to my supervisor and she said, you need to anticipate that from now on. She said, you need to structure this as a place to learn to regulate their emotions, not just talk about them. And you need to read up on sexual trauma in inmates, especially female inmates. Mm -hmm. And so it was a much different format I used that was also successful. Um, but yeah, just the, the complex sexual trauma a lot of female inmates have. Again, just, you know, if you listen to their story, it's like, oh my gosh, like that could have been me. Like I can see how they got down that, that path. Yeah, I think that's one misconception we have when it comes to both inmates and people with mental health issues because there's a lot of othering and there's a lot of, you know, Absolutely. there are those people over there. You really take for granted how easily that it like could have been you if you were born just a little bit earlier or in a different neighborhood. Like that's something we do take for granted um, quite a bit. So um, aside from that, you had also mentioned to me before that you have composed on the side as well, and that you were able to kind of take your experiences um, in the therapy and kind of put them into your music. Uh, would you like to talk about that a little more? Yeah, I'd love to. It was really my husband's suggestion. I was trying to think of some new music to write and I like having like a broad idea or like theme. And he was like, how about you do some on the mental illnesses you see? in the jails. And I was like, oh, that's a great idea because first it's exciting and it was kind of a way for me to kind of express and remember the people I worked with you know, without being able to, having to break HIPAA or, you know, yeah. confidentiality. Mm -hmm. And it was just a fun challenge, especially using sound with illnesses that involve auditory hallucinations. And I was like, oh, that's a really neat idea. And so, the name of the album is Mind Electric. Right. And so it's composed of live instruments, so live classical instruments, and then laid on top after it was recorded are some electronic sounds that especially come up to try to kind of bring up sounds that might be like auditory hallucinations. So when you compose this music, you kind of had in mind like the music is meant to be a representation of what they're experiencing. Yes, exactly. Right. And how did you, like, I mean, without violating any ethical codes or anything by being too specific, of course, how did you, like, what was your process in translating those experiences into music? Is there a specific, like, someone would tell you, I heard this, and you'd turn it into a line of music, or how did that part work? I think for me, it was just an overall mood. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm, I love film scores, so... Yeah, I think especially like John Williams is great at just evoking different mood with sound. Right. And I, I really tried to 
just kind of find that mood and that place where people are in that illness. So like in the recovery track, for example, you know, I try to convey some sense of hope. Strings tend to be a very warm sound. It's like Mm -hmm. violin, viola, cello. And I wanted some, you know, kind of drama, some soft sounds, some louder sounds to kind of show the two steps forward, one step back nature of recovering. Yeah, because that's the other thing, right? And it's another, like, when you get sick physically many times, you can kind of get treated and get on with your life and that's that. But with mental health issues, it tends to not just be, you know, so straightforward and you have to, like, the healing's always a cycle. Right, absolutely. That's what they talk about with it, right? And you'll have your good days and you'll have your not so good days and you'll have your, oh my goodness, <laughs> kind mm-hmm. of days. Right, absolutely. And yeah, I feel like you can really hear that in some of, yeah, in the recovery track especially is kind mm-hmm. of that, you know, up and down and that kind of constant struggle to get back into it. So um, you mentioned that you practice music therapy in the past. Is that something you've since like, left behind entirely or what are you up to with it now right now I'm focusing on my own music I'm in a school system now and the way I use music I guess is it's a way to connect with students you know and if you ask someone what kind of music they like you really learn a lot about them from what they like and why they like it so yeah for sure. Yeah, my music therapy days are over, but I do use it as a way to kind of get to know students. So you don't think you'll ever go back to, I don't know, teaching about music therapy or anything like that, possibly? I have presented at some conferences about how to use music therapy in a jail or prison setting. Mm-hmm. So I'd love to continue doing that. So maybe I'd present, <laughs> pr- present <laughs> A little on more it. on how, like, it works with other people and how to all right so let's talk about I guess debunking some myths related to music therapy as you spoke about before there's kind of um two types to it Mm -hmm. I think I just want to switch gears a little bit and kind of get into just telling people about exactly how it works so like what maybe a typical music therapy session looks like sure they lasted about 50 minutes Mm -hmm. And there was a group of anywhere from four patients to yeah, 15 at one point. And so I do a check-in. So I'd ask everyone to say one word that sums up their state of mind that day. And so that, that was pretty fun. So some people you know, used humor to cope and they'd say hungry or, I mean, if they were hungry, they'd get food, but it was more of just like a comical yeah. thing, or I stink, I need a shower. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'd have four music selections planned out. And so as I selected the music, I tried to pick one topic I was hoping to focus on. So for example, the E.T. soundtrack mm-hmm. really evoked kind of excitement and childhood and wonder so I opened it with, with something like that. Um, uh, sitting on the dock of the bay was a really great one to open. Oh. Because it's, a lot of them really like the line, wasting time. 
<laughs> and they're like, oh, it's like wasting time in jail. And it really, like they didn't use the word like existential, but it really got pretty deep, just the conversations. Like how do they make meaning, you know, of their lives when they're living the same day over and over again, you know, in, in confinement. I like a little controversy. So for the, the women's units, I played um, Madonna's Papa Don't Preach, where she's, in the song, she gets, her character gets pregnant, and she's telling her dad that she's choosing to not have an abortion to have the child. Mm-hmm. She's asking him for advice. But then there's also some hints within the lyrics that maybe she's not sure if it was the right decision. And so that was really cool because it usually started out with talking about the lyrics and then a lot of times then sexual abuse might come up. There are mm-hmm. a lot of women there who had kids as teenagers, like young teenagers, like 13, 14. Oh, wow. And yeah. so it was, I like songs are a little provocative, but in a constructive kind of way. Right. So you kind of bring up these songs that bring up these um strong emotions and then they're able to like feed off of that and discuss and it kind of brings up some of their stuff too right and my final song was always something fun so like i i played a lot of motown as the final song so like i did like love train um staying by me enable them to leave on a good note yeah exactly exactly so um with regards to how it impacted people, what kind of changes would you say you observed in people who came for maybe like five sessions? Like, would you see some sort of change in their behavior or mentality or anything like that over time sometimes? Yeah, definitely sense of humor. I saw them have this more of a sense of humor within the group or you know, even outside the group interacting in the unit. Definitely people who were psychotic or had a really detailed knowledge of music seemed a lot more confident. Like they could be kind of an expert in something or they got to really, you know, shine in a way that was not something as basic as, well, you took a shower today. That's great. That is great. But it was also terrific if someone was able to say, you know, one one man liked Beethoven's concertos, but not his string quartets. And some of the other guys were like, oh, what's the difference? And he was talking about woodwinds and strings. And it was just just really great that they were able to kind of be something other than their symptoms, which I think was sometimes just too focused on. Yeah, because that is a lot of how stigma and mental health and both Mm -hmm. mental health and incarceration works. It's a label. And once you have that label, there's so many things that come with it regarding how people treat you, the opportunities you have access to. Right, absolutely. A bunch of stuff. So it's really helpful to have something that makes them feel empowered again. And yeah, definitely able to be like, you know, I did something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did absolutely. I feel, I feel a little less like a label and more like just a person, <laughs> honestly. Because I feel like we don't do that enough in society, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So. It was, yeah, it was exciting. Mm-hmm. It was a r- really positive time in my life, getting to do those, those groups. Right, yeah, because I feel like a lot of people kind of feel like getting into practice regarding mental health therapy and the like can be incredibly tough and emotionally taxing. 
So it's interesting to hear you talk about how it's in a positive light. And I think, would you like to share about kind of how you were able to get positivity out of it with it being an environment that I understand sometimes cannot be very, you know, positive to be in Mm -hmm. or quite stressful in a lot of ways. Well, I think first it made me realize how fortunate I am to have the mentors I had, the parents I had, the health insurance I have, you know, Mm -hmm. if God forbid anything happened, you know, to me, you know, I'd have the resources. So I think there was a real eye-opening experience that happened right away for me. And I tell people, I wish it could be like, one of the, it was like Instagram sunrise pictures, like, oh, like I get it now. But it was more of just kind of a punch in the gut of just realizing how fortunate I am and how some people are just in a totally different situation and how people, you know, respond to them and what they expect from them. I think part of it also is going in with no expectations. Mm-hmm. I had a great mentor tell me, she worked in the jail and she said, even if you think this is a calling, she said, this is a job. You do your work and then you go home at the end of the day. And that really helped me just kind of go in and see what my part is, what my role is. Like I was not there to like save people or rescue them. You know, I could do my, my role and the rest was up, up to them. So I think those are the two um, kind of two biggest things. I also just enjoy it. I think I just have the right personality. I really like the challenge of like having to be street smart, having to learn about different backgrounds, but also having to know like the research right away, like something really subtle might happen. And once you're in the field, it's like, that's a symptom. That's not, yeah, that, that's grandiosity. That's not necessarily self-confidence. So I, I also just like the excitement of it. Mm-hmm. So what do you think you want to leave like our listeners with if you have like a little like one liner about music therapy and incarceration and all of that? What kind of like what would be like your little one line message about music therapy and like prison? I'd say music therapy in jails and prisons show the person underneath the illness Mm-hmm. and is a is a positive way to learn about each other and work on your illness. Right. So it is absolutely something that we do take for granted. Ab- absolutely. <laughs> I know I did. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, um, that's great. Thank you so much for sharing everything with us today. Yeah, thanks um, for having me. Be sure to check out Alexandra's music, everyone. I'm not sure where is. Is it available online at all? Or? Spotify. Amazon and iTunes. Right. And the name of the album again once more was? Mind Electric. Mind Electric. Guys, check it out. Make sure you take a look and see what her version of representations of mental illness is. So that's all for this episode with the Trauma and Mental Health Report podcast. Thanks so much for joining us, Alexandra. Yeah, thanks for Um, having me. No problem. Make sure you guys connect with us at trauma.blog.yorku.ca. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Don't forget to subscribe to our newsletter and see our latest content, and I'll see you all at the next episode.